0: In the early church, the leader would say, Christ is risen, and immediately the assembled congregation would respond, Christ is risen indeed. Well, that's the reason we're here tonight, because Christ is risen. I'm Hal Brady, and I'm so delighted to welcome you to this ministry. Thank you for joining me, and I trust this ministry, both in word and music, will be a blessing to you. Would you hear, please, the reading of God's word? It comes from two places, Matthew and Hebrews. Listen to the word of God, please, from Matthew. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has been raised from the dead, and indeed he's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will all see me. And then from Hebrews, the 13th chapter, the 20th verse. Now may the God of peace, who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, make you complete in everything good, so that you may do his will, working among us that which is pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you join me, please, for prayer? O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in Thy sight. O Lord, which art our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. If you ever go into an old cemetery and spend some time there, more often than not you'll find... These words on the tombstones, here lies, here lies, then follows the name, the date of death, and perhaps a praise of the quality of the deceased. But how different is the epitaph on the tomb of Jesus? How different is the epitaph on the tomb of Jesus? It is neither written in gold nor cut in stone. It's spoken by the mouth of an angel, and it's the exact reverse of what's written on these other tombs. It simply says, he is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. An African-American spiritual brings out the gloriousness of this Easter. My Lord, what a morning. My Lord, what a morning. Oh, my Lord, what a morning. Jesus has come back. No more darkness, no more death, no more defeat. No words can describe it better. Jesus has come back. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Do we understand the significance of these most marvelous words? Do we understand what the resurrection of Jesus Christ really means for all of us? That's something we need to consider and grapple with. To begin with, let me say that anything that I may say or any other preacher will say about this glorious Easter experience is not going to do. None of us can ever explain the unexplainable. But there are some crucial things about the resurrection I'd like to share with you tonight. First of all, the source of the resurrection. The source of the resurrection. The most characteristic word of the Christian religion is the word resurrection. If you wanted to find the essential meaning of the New Testament faith, you would use the word resurrection. According to Scripture, this is exactly what Christianity is essentially. It is a religion of the resurrection. This is what every congregation is supposed to be, a community of the resurrection. This is the message that the gospel proclaims to a ruined, terrible world. It says, see the power of the resurrection. See the power of the resurrection. Frederick Buechner captures it well when he said, resurrection means the worst thing is never the last thing. Resurrection means the worst thing is never the last thing. A communist was... Teaching one night in the largest assembly hall in Moscow. This was after the Bolshevik Revolution. His theme, of course, was religion and opiate of the people. He said that all the Christian mysteries are lies. And he went on for a while, and finally, when he finished, he said, Does anybody have anything to say? At this point, a Russian Orthodox priest jumped up and said, I'd like to say something. The government official looked at him and snorted and said, You'll get five minutes, that's all. He said, I won't need that much time. He walked up onto the platform and he simply said this in a loud voice, Christ is risen. And the congregation responded, He has truly risen. Now I know that we Christians must keep our eyes on the cross. If I simply took my eyes off the cross in my sinful nature for one day, I would be done for. Didn't Paul say we preach Christ in Christ crucified? But let me tell you this. If I gaze at the cross all day long, every day, forever, I can miss the gospel message. I can miss the gospel message. For you see, I would still be on the wrong side of Easter. What was it Paul said to the Philippians? I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Beloved, the resurrection is the heart of our faith. This is not an add-on to salvation. There would be no salvation without the resurrection. This is not anything that the New Testament would make without. In other words, we have the New Testament because of the resurrection, the certainty of the writers that Jesus Christ had come back from the dead and was the master of all things. We would not be involved in the church without the resurrection. The resurrection is the foundation of the church. So make a note of it. The only faith the New Testament goes is the faith of the resurrection. That is the only faith the New Testament knows. As the angel said to the women on that first Easter morning, He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Focus for a minute on the resurrection. John Maysfield, in his play, The Trial of Jesus, makes Luzinus, the Roman centurion, say to Pilate's wife these words, He was a fine young fellow, my lady, not past the middle age, and all the Jews and all the Romans he had defied, and when we had done with him, he was a poor, broken-down thing, dead on the cross. That was the apparent universal verdict. Jesus was a poor, broken-down thing, dead on the cross. But that conclusion omitted the single most important thing of Calvary. It left out God. It left out God. The triumph of evil was only seeming, because on the third day, God used his tremendous power and raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, the writer of Hebrews in our text states it clearly. He says, the God who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus. Like the other New Testament writers, he was simply saying the same thing. He was saying that God is behind this marvelous deed. It was God who raised Jesus from the dead. So it's really not a question of how the resurrection occurred. The question is, what's behind the resurrection? So what is behind the resurrection? God's love, God's power, God's will, God's purposes. These are the things that are behind the resurrection. Now, the resurrection declares, and I want you to listen to this, God has placed his stamp of approval upon Jesus and his way of life. God has placed his stamp of approval upon Jesus and his way of life. Jesus' crucifixion was the world's thumbs down on him. The resurrection was God's affirmation of Jesus. In other words, the resurrection was God affirming Jesus' suffering life of love as God's way. And then secondly, the resurrection declares that God most assuredly will have the last word. There, that takes care of Him, the world said. We silenced Him. He's not going any further. We've taken care of Him, put a period on that cross. But then God says, no, no, not a period, just a comma, just a little old comma, He said, I've only just begun. I'm not finished. I've only just begun. And then, this is the other thing. The resurrection declares that God has taken care of death. The late Henry Nouwen said that the resurrection does not answer all our questions of what heaven is like, of how it's going to be and all those things. But the resurrection does tell us that love is stronger than death. And after that, we'll simply have to trust. So I want to repeat that. After that, We'll simply have to trust. As Christians, we believe in life after death and future reunions because a man once lived and taught in Galilee, died on a cross and rose again, and by his word and resurrection to class, because I live, you shall live also. Let me tell you, I'm also greatly encouraged by some of the testimonies I read. For instance, there was a lady who was dying in a nursing home. Her daughters were all around her, and she said, can you hear them? Can you hear them? And the daughter said, what? We can't hear anything. She said, they're calling my name. The daughter said, who? And then she named the name of her deceased husband, her deceased parents, and her deceased friends. In one of the churches I served, there was a magnificent Christian woman named Lucy. Lucy had gone into a coma for three or four days, and then all of a sudden she started moving and a nurse came to a husband whose name was Jack, and she said, Jack, come in here, Lucy Lucy is moving, something's going on. And as soon as they got in there, Lucy's eyes became wide open, a broad grin on her face, and she said, Oh, Mama, oh, Mama. I could go on by telling these stories, but I think you get the idea. There are so many stories testifying to something beyond this life. Adam Hamilton, who had been the church of, the resurrection pastor in Kansas City, for a number of years. He said he was 25 years of age when he and his wife and his daughters went and they started that church. He said every year at Easter time, he's preached pretty much the same message. He always ends it by saying Christ has arisen. But people are always asking him, do you really believe that, Brother Hamilton? He said, I not only believe it, I'm counting on it. I not only believe it, I'm counting on it. And so the source of the resurrection is Almighty God, God the Father. Secondly, let's look at the promise of the resurrection. The promise of the resurrection, complete in everything good to do His will. Now, I know myself well enough, and I know this world well enough, to know that when you talk about being complete and perfect, you're talking about something that's impossible. That is preposterous. Why, sometimes I think if I could just live better today than I did yesterday, I would be... Moving along, or if I could just develop my character in a better way than I have, I would be moving along. Complete in everything good to do His will? You must be kidding. That is absolutely impossible. But I want you to listen to what this Hebrew writer says in our text. He says, May the God who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus make you complete in everything good so that you may be doing His will. Notice that the writer is not referring here to some vague or undefined God. He's referring to the God that brought Jesus Christ back from the dead. Simply stated, this is the point. The same power that shattered death for Jesus, the same power that is alive in Jesus today, the same power is available to us even as I speak. Here we have two pictures in the Gospels. First of all, you have these disciples. It's the night after the crucifixion. They're in the upper room. They're afraid. They've closed the door. They've locked the door. They're not going to get out. They're fearful. The, the words of the creed are, in effect, crucified, dead, and buried. Jesus is not only dead, but his movement is dead. A couple of weeks later, you see these same group of disciples. They're no longer behind closed doors. Now they're out on the streets, and they're yelling and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ yelling and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of these pictures is hope being blasted. The second picture is hope blasting the world. Isn't it remarkable how these disciples were changed? Do we know why they were changed? Yes, we do. He is not here. He has arisen, as he said. That is the answer to this. Now, John Wesley made this comment. He said, I believe in the resurrection not because I can explain it, but because I have experienced it. William Sloan Coffin said, I passionately believe that Jesus Christ came back from the dead because I've experienced him not as a memory, but as a presence. A lady in one of my churches wrote me at Easter time. She said, I'm writing you at this Easter time to let you know of the resurrection of one continuing visitor, me. One continuing visitor, me. The promise of the resurrection is that the same power that of the death of Jesus, that's alive in Jesus, is made available to us even now. And then thirdly, the wonder of the resurrection. The wonder of the resurrection. Thanks to a friend, my wife and I were able to go to the Final Four basketball championships in Atlanta a few years ago, and we were sitting up there right next to Greg Gumbel and his associates who were broadcasting the games. Let me tell you, there's a lot going on off-camera that people don't even know about. They're sitting up there, and they're getting ready to interview people. There's a teleprompter. There are all kinds of assistants. They move the chairs around. But the thing that amazed me was, just before they come on the air, every time this little lady powders their face, powders them all over, and gets them ready. I couldn't help but turn to my wife, and I said, you know, I think that would do me some good. She said, it probably would. But nevertheless, this is what I'm talking about. Now, it's the same kind of thing, this wonder of everything, that's also true of the resurrection, and it's also true of our spirituality. This kind of wonderful wonder is involved. Now, Eugene Peterson, in his book, The Living Resurrection, said that there were five surprising things that took place at Easter time, and I think it would help us in our wonder if I could just share these briefly with you. First of all, he said, the unpreparedness. Nobody was prepared for Easter, and that bothers me somewhat because I believe in preparation. But nobody was prepared for Easter. It just happened. And then secondly, the uselessness of experts. Do you know the only two people, the Pharisees and the Essenes, these were the only people that probably could have understood the expectation of the Messiah, and yet when the resurrection occurred, their backs were turned. They missed it. So what I'm saying is, they are no experts in spirituality. We are all amateurs. And then thirdly, the prominence of marginal companions. Now certainly we include Peter and John, but Mary Magdalene was the only witness to all four accounts of the resurrection in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So consequently, she is the one that represents this marginal companion. Don't we learn a lot from people on the margins? I'm talking about minorities. I'm talking about the poor. I'm talking about children, especially children. And then fourthly, the quiet and the way outness. You know, many of us celebrate Easter with pomp and noise and circumstance, and that's wonderful. I love it. I love to hear the great drums and the trumpets and all of that, but we didn't really get that from the resurrection. The resurrection took place in a quiet, out-of-the-way sort of place. I remember it was one of the great leaders who said that God, who told us to be still and know that he was God, must be hurt when he sees us running around with all of our frantic pace of everything. And then finally, fear. This was the main characteristic of what happened in in those resurrection stories. Six times in four accounts, we find the word fear. But in the Hebrew understanding of fear, it does not mean just to be afraid. In the Hebrew understanding of fear, it means mystery. It means reverence for God. Consequently, if we, if we can understand these various surprises of Easter and we can let the resurrection be the key to our spirituality, we ourselves will open up our lives and we will feel the grace and power of God afresh in our lives. And then there's one other thing here I want to share with you, and that is the catch of the resurrection. The catch of the resurrection, there's always a catch to everything. A little boy went into a feed store and he said to the fellow behind the counter, Mither, do you fail thick and feed? The fellow said, get out of here, come back when you can talk better. The little boy went back in a couple of days later and he said, Mither, do you fail thick and feed? He said, get out of here, I told you, come back when you can talk better. So he left and about two days later he came back and he said, found the same guy and he said, Mister, you're to buy a dead chicken. You see, the catch of all this was the thickened seed. The catch of all this was the thickened seed. There's a catch to everything. What is the catch to our being a part of the amazing power of the resurrection? What is the catch of our experiencing the resurrection and able to handle all the circumstances of our lives? Are you ready for this? You know what the catch is? Self-surrender. I want you to listen to this passage right here. This is what it says. He says, by the blood of the eternal covenant, Jesus Christ had to die before he was resurrected. And we too have to die before we are resurrected. Not die literally, we have to die to ourselves. We have to die to ourselves. It is a self-surrender. Somebody saw the painting of Holman Hunt's Christ knocking at the door. They saw it in St. Paul's Cathedral in London, and then they actually saw him. And they said, we noticed that there was no latch on the door. He said, the latch is on the inside. You must always open the door from the inside. So listen to me again. The same power that shattered the death of Jesus, the same power that's alive in Christ today, that same power is available to us even now. Let us pray. Lord, we're so thankful for your presence. We are grateful for the resurrection because we know our faith is dependent upon it. We are grateful you loved us enough. And I pray, O God, that everybody within the sound of my voice or the sight of this picture will be experiencing the resurrection anew. Thank you for loving us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you again for joining me on this special day of the Christian year. I'm so glad you were here. Bless you. Good night.